Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the No BS Marketing Podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up. The true value of social media is the ability to listen. People think that it's a megaphone, but really it's a hearing aid. For the first time, businesses actually can ask customers in a very non-obvious way, what do you think we should do in the future? And they'll tell you. And if you listen, you're more likely to stick around. So we literally made sure that it was a, a massive behavioral psychology data capturing mechanism that allows us to make the right business decisions. And then when we started to do content, we'll showcase that you asked and we listened. Today's sponsor, Dash Hudson, is granting free access to their highly anticipated social media trends report to allow you to unlock the insights and best practices you need to outsmart social. To read the report and sign up for a free 14-day trial, head over to dashhudson.com backslash podcast. What's up, everybody? What's up, what's up? That was not loud enough. We need to hear that a little bit louder. Let's go. This is Yo, my you have to be the loudest land in here. Come on. This is my first time in Austin. I've been told that you guys like know how to party. You're really loud. There's a lot of energy. I'm not feeling it, right? So I need to hear it because otherwise I'm going back to London. So <laughs> last time. <laughs> now we're ready to party. I just want to intro my good friend, fellow African. Um, <laughs> I'm from South Africa. He's from the Congo. We're basically brothers. Uh, <laughs> but we want to talk about, uh, I want to intro him a little bit. He ran Gymshark from basically 1 million followers to 30 million followers. He built a huge community here at Gymshark. And now he took off on his own, got these little butterfly wings and sorry, butterfly effect. But I want to give you a chance to give a little intro about yourself and then we'll talk about the current state of community. Well, thanks, Dan. We, we, I often say that um, he's my long lost brother uh, because I used to live in South Africa as well. And every time I hang out with him, it all comes back. So it's on my background. I was a nerdy marketing kid on LinkedIn. They used to talk about this thing called social media and all about the humanization of social and the fact that it was going to be the next wave. Uh, attracted, got like this brand called Gymshark, liked what I was saying, and they invited me to join the business. Was there for seven years. Daniel actually gave me more accolades than I had. Uh, when I joined, it was 1 million followers. I left at 20 million followers. It was a 8 million pound business, left at a $2 billion business. And uh, we had a thousand employees when I joined at employee number 24. So that was all built through social and community and marketing, basically. So for any CEO or COO or CFO, uh, there is an ROI in marketing. Can you define what community is for everybody here? What is your view on community? So, so if you have to look at the, um, the definition, a community is a, a collective of people with shared beliefs, right? And I think that a lot of the times the word community get thrown around and everyone's like, how do we build our own community? I, I guess the question, the right question is, what's the shared belief that your business actually lives and breathes? And how do you get other people that see the world in the same way to join your cause, right? And that comes with making sure that you're more than just what you're selling. It's also about what you represent and what your boundaries and your values are. So anybody that can stand that and do the in-work 
and then start to make sure that that's falls through in the way that you do business, from how you do marketing to the way that you run your business, that's going to give you much more of a, of a chance to actually build something that's more than just product. I'm going to go also give this example in the Gymshark lens. Uh, so Gymshark is just a clothing company. It's, yeah. not, it's nothing more than a clothing company, but they have a shared belief that, and you could probably describe it better, that everybody loves working out. If you see another Gymshark person at the gym, you know that's like a community member. It's just a, a commodity at that side. So how did you start facilitating the community of Gymshark, making sure like, hey, if I'm wearing Gymshark, I know that that's my, my, my friend over there. Well, we, we always say, and I think we spoke about this backstage, a, a lot of companies should start marketing themselves as sports teams, right? Because I support a team called Arsenal, for those that love soccer, football. Yeah, there we go, there's one of us. Um, uh, it's a good time to be an Arsenal fan. It's been 20 years of pain. But um, the, the reason why I say that is because if you see another Arsenal fan walking down the street, you know exactly how they feel at that very moment based on the score of that game. There's a, you belong to something. And the thing that we felt with Gymshark was, well, we do sell clothing, but then while our initial slogan was all about being a visionary, anybody that had the audacity to believe that they could reach their goal, whatever that may be, you were aligned with who the Gymshark brand was. And we believe that that foundation started at the gym. If you showed up every single day, and uh, you put those reps in, you didn't cut any corners, that's more likely to pay dividends in your everyday life as well. So that was the, the idea. And then everything that we did was all about bringing other people that felt that way from the athletes that we sponsored to the community members that we invited to our offices, to the events that we had. It's all about bringing really great people together. And people tend to come for Gymshark, but stay for the community. And that's exactly what we did. What are some tips if I was starting a community today, what are some things I should do today to think about even starting a community? I always say that it's super important to make sure that if you're trying to build a community simply around your product, that's less likely to work. You're supposed to understand the industry that you're in, in the case of Gymshark, in the fitness industry. And then you understand the micro communities that exist within the fitness community, and then start with the community that best aligns with your intentions and your values, right? I always say that, you don't create a community, you merely rent it, right? Because people already exist in the world. They don't come out of thin air. You just have to find the community that's right for you and then aim to be the authority of that community to the value that you share. Well, I hear you saying uh, that shared belief that we talked about at the beginning of you have to create a, a place where there's a shared belief, shared mission that two people can come together. And what I think about when I think about community is a lot of people think about Oh, I have a following on social media. Now I have a community. Oh, I have a Slack community. Now I have a community. Oh, I have this. Now I have a community. Community is actually many to many. It's people talking to each other. It's not just, it's like people in this room right here. Like merely when you're a company, you're the host of that community. You bring people together so they can meet people with shared belief. Everybody in this room has a shared belief that they love marketing. They're trying to get better at marketing. I'm trying to get better at marketing. That's why I'm talking to this guy right here, the legend, Alfred. But that is what community is. It's when you're a business, you're trying to host and make sure that you're putting the beliefs out front. And then we're going down the road of right now, talk about like how content plays a little bit part of that. But how, how did you do that at Gymshark to make sure that 
content brought in the community that you were trying to perceive? Or what are you doing with your brands at Butterfly Effect? I think a lot of the times people see marketing, or in this case, social media, as a thing that you give to the interns on the side, right? And it's not. Um, I've got, I hear some laughs over there, so I think that hit home. I heard that Dave Chappelle performed here, so I'm trying to get my stand-up on, so <laughs> I've got some big shoes to fill. But, but, but ultimately, what, what you realize, and everybody talks about the fact that authenticity is key, but then what does that actually mean? It means that marketing doesn't simply play the role of a content function. I always say that how I, how I hire people in my social team is I look at four main things. Obviously, creativity and content is one. Um, psychology is the other. How do you understand people? Uh, how do you understand social dynamics? So who are you in a room? So there could be two airline companies and one says something and the other says exactly the same thing, but they're all going to feel different. In the UK, we have, uh, we have British Airways and then we have Ryanair, right? Ryanair, for those that are on LinkedIn, they get away with murder. If any other airline tried to do exactly the same thing, it's not going to work because they understand who they are in society and the audience reflects their tone of voice, right? And finally, it's also about understanding uh, platform mechanics. And those change every single day. So if you get the first three pillars, those are constants. Now you always have to be learning and understanding the current state of the platform algorithm, or in how I like to put it, what the platform is promoting at that given period, right? And if you stay one step closer to that, you're more likely to stick around a lot longer than your, um, uh, your competitors. But going back to your original question, we used to have li literally... A lot of people think that the, the ROI or the impact on social is just the likes and impressions. I'm sure that's good. It gives you a bit of a gauge of whether people are resonating with your content. But I always tell people that the true value of social media is the ability to listen. People think that it's a megaphone, but really it's a hearing aid. For the first time, businesses actually can ask customers in a very non-obvious way, what do you think we should do in the future? And they'll tell you. And if you listen, you're more likely to stick around. So we would literally put comments and DMs in the boardroom and say, well, we posted this picture of this product in like mixed outfits versus this versus the full set. Everybody likes the full set, let's do more full sets. So we literally made sure that it was a, a massive behavioral psychology data capturing mechanism that allows us to make the right business decisions. And then when we started to do content, we'll showcase that you asked and we listened. We literally made sure that what was happening in social changed the way that we did business. We would randomly call an ice cream company to come over to the office and give the team members like some ice cream and then we'll capture that. We'll capture what we actually do. We don't just fabricate content and pretend that we're doing the things that we're saying. There's a buzzword in community and social that's authenticity. And I'll give my, my quick definition of authenticity and then you can give yours. But I think people mistake that authenticity means you as a marketer have to be your authentic self and put out content. Authenticity actually means to me that you are putting out what your brand mission and your brand values and what you're standing, the tone of voice you're standing for. Yeah. And it aligns through every piece of content. Not what you are as a marketer. You don't have to believe it 100%, but you have to make sure that aligns to those values that have been set at the beginning. That's why before you start doing anything, and we're in brand land right now for a reason, but like before you start doing anything, 
And people think brand is just a logo and stuff. Before you do everything, it's figuring out what the why is, figuring out what, how are we going to speak, figure out our mission, our values. Um, before you do anything, you need to set that tone so people understand this is how we're going to talk. When we do an email, it's going to be this. When we do a social, we're going to do this. This is the persona we're trying to put out in the world. Um, but what is your definition? For 100%. So what I realized with a lot of businesses, especially those of the digital age, well, this is just the cycle of any business. At the start, everybody knows what the brand is all about because it lives in our heads and we're all an arm's length away from each other and we can validate that this is exactly who the brand is all about. As you get bigger, people bring in their, uh, their perception of what they think the brand is or better yet, what the brand was somewhere else. It's super important to make sure that you start on a, on a solid foundation about who you guys are as a business and why are you here in the first place and why do you show up every single day? Once you get that and you get your values in place, and a lot of people put like bullshit values out there like, I don't know, what's another one that everybody says? Innovation. What does that mean, right? Everybody has innovation as a value. That's to be something that actually, when you're setting your values as a business, these are things that you will go to to make major decisions, to decide whether you're hiring somebody or not, to decide whether you're firing somebody or not, and to decide these are your guiding principles whenever you're faced with a big decision that you fall back on and everybody agrees that yeah, as long as we're doing this, we're doing exactly the right thing. And the issue is, especially when we're now in a world where there's so many things and brands are playing the role of almost like the spokesperson for so many causes, you lose authenticity because some brands are jumping onto causes that has no connection to what it is that they're doing. There's two things when it comes to causes that you need to focus on. And I'll give Gymshark an example. Our goal was to unite the conditioning community. So the causes that we focused on vocally was all about things that separated the conditioning community. As for example, access to gyms or access to uh, facilities or barriers for women in the gym space, all that stuff actually made a lot of sense because it was direct, in direct conflict, what we're looking to achieve. Now, when things happen around inside the world, that's when you don't lead through words, you lead through actions. You actually say, how do we tangibly help this cause? And if we can't help this cause, then we don't pretend like we're part of that cause, right? And that's what we're talking about authenticity. People are trusting brand less and less because they're putting on a show that they care about something, but really they don't. People always talk about being top of mind to your audience, but there's also being top of mind to your employees and making sure that you're every meeting saying, this is what we stand for, this is what we stand for, this is what... There's always going to be, not always, but there's going to be new people that come to your company. There's going to be people who are going to forget. There's going to be people who are busy and inundated. So every meeting is a chance to be like, here, this is what we stand for. Let's remember this is what we stand for. Keep it top of mind. Everybody's inundated. So internal marketing is as important with your mission and values as external marketing. Especially when you're onboarding people. My most important meetings... um, it, it was when I was uh, uh, running the department at Gymshark, and it still is uh, with my business, it's one-to-one sessions or onboarding sessions when you teach people or you introduce them to how we do things in this business, right? And obviously, there are things that need to change and new people, brighter people than us, bring in new perspectives. But at the end of the day, why we do things can never change, right? And the reason why we're all showing up here every single day. And if you're a business and you put that 
almost like front and center before somebody even joins and they know what they're signing up for. Because then otherwise, if you don't have that solid ground, and I think a lot of people's, the buzzword now is, we want to be, we want, everybody's our customer and we want to appeal to everybody. Well, I say that if you appeal to everybody, you actually appeal to no one. So when you started building community, what is the difference between when you started to now, what is the current state? What is the differences you see and what are the similarities? So the funny thing is, um, I got hired at Gymshark because I wrote this article called um, Why Brands Are Running Before They Could Walk With Social Media Marketing. And nothing's changed, right? Uh, if you guys want to check me out on LinkedIn, I, I don't know whether that's the, what they call it. The articles are still like apparent because I know they have new features. But that article, everything about the humanization, human to human, depth instead of width, those are all constants, right? What changes is the platforms. Because ultimately, wherever people gather, if you understand people and how they interact, and if you understand those three pillars that I talked about initially, then that doesn't really change. Where they do it changes. And you just have to understand the law of the land when you get onto that platform. So how do they do that on TikTok? How do they do that on Discord? How do they do that on LinkedIn? And you have to almost obsess with the current state of culture or the current state of communication. So going back to your question, the philosophy doesn't change, but where people interact and how they interact does. You just have to study it. Don't judge it, right? There's a beauty in weirdness. And it's usually whenever somebody tells me that there's this new platform and I get it and I think that it makes a lot of sense, it's probably not going to scale because I'm getting old, right? So a platform that's going to do very, very well is the ones that the kids get. And I'm like, what is this? When I start to get into like my, my, my boomer mentality, I know that I'm missing a trick here and the kids have got me. So that, that, it's all about learning and studying the new weird. I want to go into that because I think one of the things you've said to me in the past is the importance of studying current culture and current what's current. So... I know even at Gymshark, you had like a whole a team that was just dedicated. I mean, not all marketers get this because it's Gymshark, but yeah. they had a team just to study culture. So what was the importance and what was like the output of like that team for the social scene? So not only is it great because I'm a nerd, right? And to know what's happening right now. And by the way, the, the getting the team, how I built my team at Gymshark and how I do it at Butterfly Effect is... I just say, what are the things that I would like to do more of that I wish there was more time in the day to do? And I just hire people to do that. So before we had that team, I would spend like Jordan, like numbers, eight hours a day, just scrolling and consuming. And, and I think the importance of that is everything that we've just said, like the key point here is all about context, right? And you can have the best post, the best content strategy, but post it at the wrong time because you just don't understand what else is happening outside of your little bubble. It's super important to know what's happening around the world because brands can very, very easily come off as insincere, ignorant, tone deaf, and you could literally make or break your brand in the tweet, right? So if you're posting about something like, for example, at Gymshark, this set is hot fire flames and there's a fire breaking out in Australia somewhere, oh my God, that's a bad move. So you have to know what's happening around the world because you don't just uh, exist in a silo. Uh, and also the good thing about that is you start to understand when patterns shift, right? Because at the end of the day, sometimes you may be doing the right thing, but the world has just moved on. 
And you can either be that person that stays back and says, this is how the world used to be. It was all great in the days of Facebook, Meta, but the world has moved on, right? And, and if you stay in that place, you're just going to get left behind, which is why my thing at Gymshark was always, I don't want us to be the brand that everybody liked when everyone was on Instagram. We need to move forward with the times. So wherever the world goes, we need to go too. Today's sponsor is Dash Hudson, a social media management platform trusted by thousands of leading brands like United Airlines and Rare Beauty. With its sophisticated insights and workflow tools, Dash Hudson empowers brands to succeed on social. Today, we're giving you access to Dash Hudson's highly anticipated social media trends report to unlock the insights and best practices you need to outsmart social. To read the report and sign up for a free 14-day trial, head over to dashhudson.com backslash podcast. One thing that resonated with me as well is people don't get that some of the best brands are the best consumers of content. I think the what you and even creators out there, you have to consume to understand contest expertise for even in the B2B contest for social, like the best B2B content is expertise. Like under actually showing that you understand your audience is the best type of content. And that comes from being the best consumer, but also what consuming does is understanding, okay, this, this is going out of the world. Oh, short form video is happening. Oh, this is the trend that's happening. Oh, these are the relevant influencers. Oh, and being in deep in other communities is another thing. I bet, I bet your team was deep in fitness communities, knowing like what is going on, what's changing, what is the new equipment, what is happening? And you innovated and based on that. Oh, oh, 100%. I put a post out about the fact that I feel like a lot of people talk about innovation, but really they should be focusing on evolution or sampling for those that like music, right? I feel like the best songs, and TikTok pretty much almost like uh, green lights this, the fact that when you can take elements of things that have worked before somewhere else and you bring it together in a whole new environment, you create a whole new tune that's more likely to chart. And what we like to do is we used to look at community comment sections and what our competitors were doing to find a one not to do. But then for us to bring something completely new and different, we looked outside of our industry because we'd say, actually, what's McDonald's doing? What's Oreo doing? Who are the people that really understand people and creating content for people? And how do we Gymshark it? And that's how you stay ahead of the game. If you move at the speed of other brands, you'll always be a step behind. You might even be a whole platform behind. But if you move at the speed of creators, you'll always be one step ahead and you'll always meet community members where they're at. And that's what we always wanted to do. We move at the speed of creators, not at the speed of brands. I think one thing also that people forget is that your competitors, they are direct competitors for your product. But in marketing, you're competing against all these brands for Cat attention. videos as well. Yeah, but also for attention. Like other brands are taking attention away from your consumer, which you, whether you, you like it or not. So looking beyond the four or five competitors that you have and looking at, okay, this person that maybe works in tech also goes to the gym, also is a mom, also is this. And there are other brands that are targeting moms, targeting gym people that are taking attention away from your audience. So 
just looking at your competitors is not a good way. You got to be able to differentiate from all these other brands that are also side outer competitors that are taking attention away from your consumer. 100%. And that's a, that's a very important point because there's, there's two forms of competition, right? People often assume that what they're selling is actually what they're selling. Let's say, for example, if you are Ryanair, uh, you feel like you're selling holidays, but really you're selling escapism. You're selling retreat. But then if something else comes out that's not another airline that offers that very same underlining need that the audience needs, you're out of business. So at the end of the day, I always tell people, before you even think about promoting your business, you have to promote the industry that you're in. And if you can be the brand that actually educates people, brings people up to speed, give people value around the, the overarching industry that you're in, then you're more likely to be front of mind than thinking about making a decision to purchase that product or service. So we didn't market the Gymshark leggings, we market fitness and the whole thing about unity within fitness. And then you just saw the Gymshark logo associated to that. So when you think fitness, or I want to meet other people that are into fitness, what's the brand that best facilitates that? Gymshark, right? You're starting to plan those messages that I'm not a salesperson. I'm just trying to make sure that you get those gains, right? I'll give you another funny example. Somebody once tweeted that uh, uh, they got a flat tire on their way to the gym and they missed out on their session. We literally bought them a new tire, right? And somebody else, um, they had their gym trainers stolen and there were Nikes and we bought the new Nikes. Because it's not about Gymshark, it's about your gains. And because we made that selfless act, they believe that we actually care about our community, right? Because we're actually gonna go to the extent and buy a competitor's product to ensure that you don't stop those gains. And that's the level of commitment that you need to be in. I used to have a budget. I used to call them the, uh, the, uh, the community fairies, right? Would literally go on Twitter and look at what are people talking about associated with the gym and how do we come, somebody had the iPhone, like the, uh, the AirPods stolen, we bought them some, right? Somebody had did some advice for something, we got involved. How can you be in places or involved in conversations where people don't expect you to be, but you can add value? That's the whole commitment that you have to get in with building community. And I think a lot of brands wanna take, but they don't ask or, or consider what they need to give. One thing that I like to reframe community content is, is you have to think of it as a product. And when you think of it as a product, you invest in it, you care everything about the audience, you innovate on it, you do think, go out of your way to make it better. If you think of it as just a part of your company, what you're gonna do is use it to improve your revenue goals, use it to do this, use it to do that, use it to do things that aren't the best for the community. And the best community is like buying shoes for Nike shoes, probably in a business sense is not the best thing for Gymshark to do. But as a caring for community sense, as the product, that's the best thing they could have done for Gymshark. So you have to reframe that my community is everything for my audience and nothing about my product. The product is the industry, the product is the belief. You just gotta make sure that belief ties back to your product. And just to add to that, that person then tweeted and said, oh my God, Gymshark did this for me. And then by giving one person a pair of Nike trainers, they posted about it to 4,000 followers. 
And then everyone's like, well, that brand must be good because they didn't have to do that. Oh, I'm going to buy some leggings. And by the way, that person had went on to buy more Gymshark product and was a fan for life, right? So whilst you spend $100 on a Nike piece of clothing, that person's lifetime value increased and became a promoter for the brand. So that's free advertising. Yet your community is essentially, I'll give you another example. We did this thing called Gymshark 66 uh, because there's this theory out there that it takes 66 days to form a habit. So we said, okay, the problem that we established in the fitness community is that people don't stick to the New Year's resolutions, right? So this time we're going to help you stick to it. We're going to do it. You guys are going to do it too. And for 66 days, we're all going to work every single day and check in with each other. Whoever has the most inspirational story along the way will gift you with a year's worth of free Gymshark to fly over to the HQ, et cetera, et cetera. We had 66,000 people get involved the first year. It's nearly a million hashtag uses. For three, 66 days, we turned our community into walking billboards. And that's when we saw our sales go up because everyone's like, everyone's doing this thing we're not selling any product, but everyone's doing this thing and it's birthed out of the need to get people to fulfill their goals. And by giving them the vehicle, the platform table to do that. And then as they're posting about it, because you have to post every single day, you're wearing Gymshark, your friends are like, well, who's this brand? What are they all about? Why are you doing this thing? And then they become our salespeople. And actually the real ROI doesn't happen at face value. Who, who here is a Taylor Swift fan? Oh, a lot of Swifties out right. there. And then uh, who's here as a Beyonce fan? All right. Well, last I heard, we're in a current economic climate, yet everybody still bought Taylor Swift and Beyonce tickets for like a fucking mortgage, right? Right? <laughs> if you are part of a community and you care about that community, that's part of your identity. When times get tough, you will still part ways with your money to keep your identity. If it's a transactional experience, what's the first thing to drop when your money runs out? I know what that's going to be. I love Arsenal. I spent way too much money to, to watch Arsenal play, but it's part of my identity. So they're going to have my money for life. So how do you get to a space where you're part of somebody's identity and not just an option about when they purchase you, when they have the, um, uh, the money to do so? How do you decide like where we should start building community? Because there's so many different, there's obviously social, you can start doing it there. There's like Slack channels, there's Discord. How do you decide the first place I'm gonna start creating and have a focus? Because I think a lot of brands out there today are trying to be great on TikTok, great on Instagram, great on LinkedIn, and then they great on no platform. So how do you think about where am I gonna start? Do you know what? I think the answer is, going back to our point about knowing which community you want to almost like join first or, or knowing who your audience is, right? And you need to go where that audience is and get involved in the conversation and win their respect and their trust. I actually, despite being a big advocate for digital, I actually believe that the best communities are, are built in real life. Because I feel like there's just a connection there that you cannot emulate. And you, like Gymshark did expos. Gymshark became a $2 billion business without having any physical stores. So why did they open one in London? It's because they realized that the barrier to continue to grow the community exists within physical connection. So ultimately, we need to be able to make sure COVID, although it was great from a sales perspective, it was terrible from a community side, especially in the U.S., 
because we were all camped out in England. And our English business did well because that was our area of focus in the US. Although we were still online, because we're not physically there, we were almost starting to create that barrier away from the community. So it's important to figure out where they exist, both digitally and in real life, and aim to play in that area, and aim to make sure that you're adding as much value as possible and keeping people rem like remembering who you are. I was actually talking to someone who was part of rent social for red bull and they were saying that they have 700 events a year because the reason they say that is they see that as 700 chances because they don't have retail stores like gym sharks it's 700 chances to get with the community get close to them understand them build a see who the true fans are because i think the people also mistake and adam from work week says this all the time but there's a difference between having attention of your audience and intention. Intention, it means like, attention means they see everything in what you're doing online. They love your content. They maybe um, are listening to your podcast. They're, they're responding to something. Intention means that they're attending your events. They're buying your product. The goal is to build enough trust to move that attention to intention. And the, one of the best ways to prove that you have intention is see, seeing, creating an event and seeing how many of the, the audience shows up to it. Cause that shows that you have an intentional audience that wants to be with your brand that's celebrating your brand. Oh, 100%. So, so YouTube has been around, it's probably one of the oldest social platforms, right? But it's actually still the most important when you want to determine the value of an influencer because then people like you for who you are because you've been spending years speaking to a camera and people are bought into who you are as a personality. There's a lot of people that have millions of followers on Instagram um, uh, and all these different platforms, but then if they did an event, not three people will show up because they just have attention. People don't have, are not bought into them as an individual. If anything, they don't even know who they are. They just know what they look like. And that's the issue, right? A lot of brands, they have attention at the time, but as soon as somebody else gets the attention, you're gone. You have to have something that sticks. People have to stick around for more than just, this is what we offer right now. They're bought into why you do it. They're bought into the people that are doing it. They're bought into the challenges that you're, you're, you're like breaking down and the barriers that you're, you're, you're dethroning. Those are all things that matter. And I think that at the end of the day, if you make every single decision based on quarter to quarter targets, you're never gonna play the infinite game. If your brand wants to be around for 100 years, you need to play the legacy play. And that's the infinite game. And that's making sure that you understand why you show up every single day and trying to do that better every single day and not looking left, not looking right at what your competitor's doing this week or your competitor did last week. It's all about what are you guys gonna do to, in the case of Gymshark, unite the conditioning community today. And that's where innovation lies. And even going back to what you said about your thesis that you wrote, it's going back to being human to human. I think like in the world, all AI has come out and something that one thing that people can change with AI is humans being in a room together. Like you can change that. Um, there's some sort of energy here. There's some sort of togetherness. There's some sort of community. That's what a community is, is humans connecting with humans. And that's what, that's finding ways to, create your brand to make it more human, more relatable, more 
less stuffy, less, I need to get this piece of content out because I need to hit goals and thinking that what is the best of my audience at this moment? What is best of my audience at this moment? Yeah, and just to add to that, I already know where the world's going to go because usually the interesting thing about attention and marketing is that, or, or at least attention that's worth your while, is you have to go where the trust is. Like I, I remember in the early days of AI and anybody that's on LinkedIn will, will attest to this. Anytime you did a post about AI, it just went through the roof because it was new. And then when you started using mid-journey to create like a politician wearing like hip hop clothing, everyone would laugh and be like, yeah, that's all cool. And then people were like, okay, this is a bit tired and old. People get bored about something really, really fast, right? And what's gonna happen is, if you're in a, in a role that was all about IQ, let's say for example, mathematics, coding, all that kind of stuff, AI technology is gonna come in and be a lot faster in terms of the actual doing of things, right? But what it cannot be able, be able to replicate is the EQ intelligence, right? Understanding of human emotions and also connecting with people on a human-to-human basis. So how marketers should skill up now is get really, really great at interacting and connecting with people. You use the AI technology to multiply what you're doing and make sure that you're not hiring big, big teams just to do the doing or the admin work. Let the AI technology do that. Let humans be humans and ensure that they're building that connection with the next person. The marketers that can do that better than anybody else are the ones that are going to be on top of the Forbes list. And the one thing that I will add, I'll even give a gym chart example. Like nobody, no AI can know the struggle of going to the gym or doing that failure rep in the gym or feeling that pain after that, that workout. Like no AI can feel that. And that's where you can tap into those type of things of like actually understand your community that, oh, in a failure rep, this is what happens. You're struggling. And like, we share the same belief that that happens. AI can, you could tell it how you felt, but they don't really feel like the, the, the muscles moving, like the struggle of that. So that's why it's so important to dig into the, those emotions that you feel as a human. Oh, 100 And I think a lot of fitness people and brands, they, they, they tend to try to almost like um, uh, paint the best case scenario narrative about the product that they have or the industry that they're in. We recognize that a lot of people that go to the gym every single time, the thing that unites them is not the beauty and the greatness of it, it's the pain of it. If you wanna get fitness people to all bond together, put a meme out there about the last time you went to the gym and you forgot your headphones. Oh, they're all gonna, they're all gonna join by that pain, right? Or when you go to the gym and someone's grunting really loud. See, everybody laughs, right? So, so th those are the pain points that you will not tap into if you're not actually part of the community itself. The one I know that you're one of their own. And how you establish that is by tapping into the pain points that you can't Google or chat GPT. That as a brand, you need to do the work to understand what those pain points are. Where could people find what you're doing, follow you, see your journey? Where do um, people, could, where could people follow you? I, I geek out on LinkedIn. So I, like, even though we started our own business, going back to the whole thing about consumption, I still consume uh, as much as I did when I was early on in my career. But then the big thing about LinkedIn is where I share the most. So if you ever want to like connect, chop it up. It's Alfred Sambra on LinkedIn. Uh, Butterfly Effect is on LinkedIn as well. So it's Effect with a three. 
because uh, we couldn't get the uh, domain for the full name and it'll be way too expensive. Uh, but then also I like the, the whole notion of B3 and it looks like a butterfly when you put a B and a three together. So uh, butterfly effect, Alfred Samba on LinkedIn. Well, thanks everybody for coming. Um, give it up for the legend, Alfred Samba. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.